is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open, Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown, Bulldogs! It's the MVSP Season 4, Episode 22. Brandon. It's new digs, man. We got a brand new studio. So nice to be in the new spot. It might sound a little bit different with the different mics that we got, but they I can, I can assure you, they're better mics, better headset, better place to be. It's a brand new day, Brandon. I love our new studio. This is incredible. I can't thank everyone that helped made this possible. Bulldog Radio, of course, um, as well as Meba, uh, and obviously the artificial intelligence community here at Ferris State who are giving us this studio room. It's a blessing. Such a sick studio, man. It's incredible, but it's been a long road for everyone to get us here. Not to make this a long time coming. Yeah, not to make this a soap opera or anything, but it's truly you guys that help make this possible. So this is incredible, and we're so glad to be able to produce even better content, have better overall resources to make the best show possible. And you guys are a huge part of it. So we say thank you, and we thank all of those that help make this possible because. This is really cool. I mean, just getting everybody together, the whole collaboration, the partnerships that are going to be taken off at the beginning of the new year for Bulldog Radio. It's really been uh, it's been a little bit of a downtime for the, the whole group as a whole. And I think with all the, the great partnerships and collaboration, we're going to get it back on track with uh, a lot more participation, a lot more great things on the way. And it's certainly going to be cool, Joe. I mean, I'm just blessed to be a part of it and be in this room right now. Yeah, dude, it's a blessing and we love to be here. Got a great episode for you guys as well. Fair State Sports Report, going to go over last weekend's action. Not a whole lot went on, uh, but some good stuff went on regardless, as well as some World Cup going on. USA took on England, so we're going to hear our thoughts on that. And then the game, Michigan versus Ohio State, and then some college football playoff predictions and how that is going to go out. But Brandon, before that all goes down, who do we have on the show today? we got a great interview with Ferris State Volleyball player Cyan Fairfield will be joining us to talk about the successful season in volleyball and really the, the amazing run that they went on uh, in the regular season into the postseason. It was phenomenal to watch. The team was great all the way around. Cyan, obviously one of the, the big parts of that team, was one of the most improved players in my mind throughout the entirety of the year. So uh, great to have her on the show and a great interview, Joe. It's, uh, it was great to have a chance to talk to her. So without further ado. Let's swing into the interview. Now joined in studio, Fair State Volleyball player Cyan Fairfield is joining us. Cyan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cyan, first question for you. Uh, big and great successful year for the team. Uh, one that not a lot of people thought, especially at the start of the season. Um, you know, when you look back to the start of the year uh, before it started, kind of what was the outcome that you and the team, as well as Coach Tia, had for uh, the team before um, everything went down? Yeah, at the beginning of the season, we had like a like obviously a team meeting and we kind of just talked about knowing that last year we graduated a lot of people. We were like, well, we're just going to get 1% better every day. We're going to push ourselves, see where we can end up. But our end goal was to win the GLIAC championship and have that automatic bid into the regional tournament. And that's what we got. So Yeah, and you mentioned the, the team being a lot younger. Obviously, a lot of great players moving on last year, like Katie and Nina and Sam, just to mention a few. What was that like being able to really be one of the members on the team with a, a really high freshman class with you and experience? What was that uh, interaction like in early camp and being able to really uh, build that team chemistry? Because you guys needed it right out of the gate. Yeah, I think, like, especially in camps, you could just see, like, everyone's mindset was, like, we're just ready to get back here for preseason. And 
we were super excited just to grow. And after spring last year, after not having, you know, like Katie and Nina and them, um, like a big goal was just like, we were going to be the mighty ones. Like I think Olivia Henneman Delape was the one that was talking to our coach about like, what are we going to be? And we just called ourselves the mighty ones all season and we were ready to be young. And, but we hate when people kind of like look on us and say, Oh, this is just a young team. But like, yeah, we're young within like class, but like we're mature, we're ready to fight. And we were super tough this season. For sure. And talking about that resiliency, the team started out 0-6 on the year against really great teams, uh, but still 0-6. You know, what was that turning point that you kind of thought was for the team? Because after the, those six games, 126 out of 30 uh, to close out the year. So kind of what was that turning point uh, that you thought happened? Yeah. So when we started 0-6, we were all just like, what are we like, what's going to happen when we're just embarrassed enough just to win a game? Like, mm -hmm. how are we going to go out there and play Ferris volleyball? Like, it was just as every time we would lose, we'd go in the locker room and it, we were just like, you know, like get after each other. We're like, come on, like, what are we going to do? We got to do something. And then after we came back from Hillsdale, after losing those games, we, um, well, I guess we didn't, we didn't lose all of them in Hillsdale, but we still came back to practice like a better mindset. Like we just have to practice how we're going to play because we noticed that when we were practicing in preseason, we were like, Oh, like we're good. But then we faced those teams that were really good teams out in Washington. And we were like, all right, we have to change some things and we practiced harder and that led to better play. Yeah. And then you can definitely tell with years past in the program, the image has been resiliency, being able to bounce back, especially against the odds at <laughs> preseason rankings. Um, but yeah. when you guys went on that run, obviously in a last couple of games, especially going into that five set thrill with grand Valley and going into that five set thriller in the, in the finals match with Umsel, what does it take really for you guys to really kind of get together and, and really grind through those five set games? Cause those are really a lot taxing, especially back to back is one of the, the hardest things to do in sport. And you guys do it all the time playing even three days in a row yeah um I think we've always been a really big like protocol team like at the beginning of the season we kind of stuck to like what we do like what's our thing if like something happens like what can we fall back on and we're just like a big like physical touch eyes up eye contact like just like picking each other up so in those moments when it gets tough like I think a lot of teams tend to fall out from it but we do a good job of picking each other up and like pointing out the things that are good and doubling down on that stuff. Yeah, the little things are important. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the energy in that cha GLIAC championship match against Grand Valley was unlike anything we've ever Incredible. seen. It was, a, you know, crowds was chanting all the time and I was getting really excited. Uh, you know, how do you feed off that personally when the crowd is really getting into it? You know, how does that kind of affect your play? Yeah, so when we started off at Hillsdale, they had a pretty good student section. And that's when we noticed our energy was able to flip because... Whether the energy is against us or for us, I think that we just do a good job of eating it up and using it to our advantage no matter what. Mm -hmm. And like we love when people chirp us and like want to try to bring us down. Like we just it makes us happy and we smile. And that's what I mean when we're happy and we smile. That's just when we play our best volleyball. So, yeah. Has there ever been a game where you're just like, man, this fan base is just gearing us up like you've ever been a memorable just game? Ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to like look back at it because. Like when we're playing, we don't actually like know that they're cheering, but we just like the energy and like the loudness. But definitely that GB game and with the fifth set, like hearing everyone and seeing people stand, especially our bench energy, like bench energy is the first thing for sure. And so that was crazy. But I would just say like games like those or Lake Superior State at home, we had all those elementary all the, all the students. Elementary, yeah, oh my goodness. I remember crazy. like feeling I was like in a elementary cafeteria. I was like, <laughs> I can't get these kids out of my ear, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. 
Yeah, just high-pitched kids just yeah. screaming the whole time. But, I mean, looking back at the midseason against the, uh, the Midwest region crossover, you saw a lot of teams uh, that – we're going to be able to, that you would be able to see it kind of in postseason. How important was that when you went in there? Was that kind of like a, we're only going to focus on the teams that we're going to play or was the team kind of being able to go watch some games of some uh, good teams that you might be able to see later on? Yeah. At the Midwest region crossover crossover, we were <clears throat> like definitely focused on the teams we had to play. Cause like we want those wins for the region wins. Mm -hmm. But I think also we were, we were kind of walking around looking at like possible people. I mean, cause we were watching Davenport and Umsel play. So I think that was a good one to watch, even though it didn't really go in our favor at the end of the season. But, um, you know, our focus was just to beat those region teams and play our best. And it was hard because, like, the three games in three days. But it was fun, and you could see that we were really focused on those games to get those wins. For sure. Yeah, going back to the, the high school level, you went to North Muskegon to stand out there. What really got you into to volleyball in the first place that led you to have all that high school and then eventually collegiate success? Well, it's actually really funny because I was a really big basketball player, like in middle school. And I remember just being in basketball practice one day and like the assistant volleyball coach came up to me because I was in middle school basketball and he was like, Hey, like you're tall, you need to play volleyball. And I was like, well, like I've never really liked it, but I'll try it. So then he was like, well, let's go meet the team. So we like walked me over to the varsity team and I was like, Oh, like they're super nice. Like maybe I'll do it. But, like I was in eighth grade. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And then freshman year, we got a new coach and she like is the one that just taught me everything. And ever since then, I just loved it. And I just kept playing and learning new things. And my coach pushed me to like try new things and be the best. And so that's kind of how I got into it. <laughs> yeah. And you play, so you played basketball then, and that translated over to volleyball. What were some of the things that you think really helped you in that successful transition then? I guess just like, I liked, I've always liked being a part of like a team sport and like basketball is a team sport, but like one person can dribble around and, you know, like score Do everything. Yeah. But and then I got into volleyball and it was just like more like I just upped the team part of the sport. And so I just that's something I really liked about it. And that just shows like why I love it here so much. Like we're just such a close team and our energy is always great and that kind of stuff. That's cool. Who creates the playlist uh, for, for <laughs> volleyball? So I always wanted that because last year, I mean, it was good. But then they kind of like it's the same playlist. So I was wondering, do you guys like create it yourselves or is it kind of just like a basic one? Well, Tia just asked us. She's like, well, send songs if you want some songs. So. I mean, I'm not a big music person, so I didn't send any songs, but the people that did like obviously sent her the songs and then she has this friend who like makes it and he does a really good job with it. So it's more like a DJ thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He's like a DJ. He does stuff at weddings. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's sweet. Cause I always like being able to do like some of the music for some of the athletic events. I always click your guys' playlist and it's like, Oh my gosh, these transitions, these fades are like perfect. Uh -huh. and that, that makes sense yeah, now. It's none of us. It's none of us. Yeah, it's Honestly, not me I'm, doing it. It's a professional. <laughs> that's probably why. I'll be dancing by the stat table sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, it is a banger of a playlist. It's actually been played in some other sports that it's been so yeah. good. So, yeah. but uh, it's not certainly a lot of misses on that playlist. No, not a lot of misses. So, uh, but when it comes to new additions, really, I mean, you guys are going to have a new arena next year. Super, super fun. Uh, but what was it like really playing, going from uh, you got to experience Ingleglaben last year. Now you're going to you have the whole season in Wink and now it's going to be moving on to, to uh, Bulldog Arena. What have been the things you kind of taken from those three venues so far in your time here? Yeah, I mean, it's cool, like being a part of the old gym, like when I came in my freshman year and um it was super small and there was like the one side of bleachers, but it was just more like homey. Like we just loved it in there. It was cozy when it would, when it was packed, like it was packed. And then in wink, it was harder to get used to with lower ceilings. And then like, there was probably the same amount of people just, just like spread out. So mm -hmm. it didn't feel like there was as much. So it was hard for us to get used to not having that energy. So we were able just to create our own. 
like with the bench and then the big games came in and you know the fans were there and it was fun but yeah and then looking forward to the new one we're super excited I think it's really cool to have our own gym again and get used to it and really defend our home court when we actually play on a home court. But. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys, Spurs, you mentioned Wink with the, the low ceilings. A lot of other teams in conference really had well, troubles was, that with that. Rough, yeah. Uh, yeah. How much practice do you guys go through with things going Plinko off of the HVAC and all of those sort of things during practice? Yeah. I mean, we don't like do anything purposely for it, but I guess like when it happens, it happens. And that's just like, we are just better with those reactions than other teams, but we played at the Midwest region crossover. We were in like a big, like convention center area with like a whole bunch of gyms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And those ceilings were super low. So like we would actually practice like hitting the ball into the air, try to hit the ceiling and then play off of it. Like we would actually do those things. So no matter where we are, like we always do our best to prepare, but it was definitely tricky. And sometimes, yeah, but. just that repetition over time yeah. where it's just like, yep, it's going to happen naturally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember last year I got yelled at by like a coach because we were playing a wink. I was like, dude, I have no, jur- <laughs> I have no jurisdiction. I think it was, I'm not going to say which coach it was on the, on the air, but I forget who it was, but he was like, yelling at me. I'm just an intern, man. I don't know what I'm yeah. going to do here. But anyways, last question for you, Cheyenne, uh, we ask everybody on the show that comes on, what's your favorite thing about being a fair state bulldog? Oh, there's so many things, but I just think I like the support like out of the whole community. Like we're going to the football game this weekend and like there are some football players at any of the games they could come to ours and women's basketball and women's soccer. Like they're always at our games. We've gone to some soccer games, went to a cross country um, meet. So I think just like how everyone supports each other and like you can see someone in the hallway and they're like, good luck. Like just those kind of things. That's super nice. And then just like my team, I just feel like I just always have fun and, I mean, looking, we're already in postseason and well, not postseason, we're not like, you know, the end of the season. And we're all like, well, where's everyone going to be today at three o'clock? Like we want to get back together because like it's hard not seeing each other every day. But that's something I love. For sure. But Cyan, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, obviously a good season wrapped up and we look forward to seeing the success next year. Thank you. Once again, big thanks to Cyan for coming on the show. Got a busy, I guess not so busy now that the season's over, but still with finals coming up, got a busy schedule for her trying to get everything back into it. So once again, huge thanks to her for coming on the show. Yeah, it was really cool to see the the insight that they had, especially going through the all the changes going over the last couple of years, for especially within the program and even the venues. And uh, really, their chemistry together, I think it's really made what's made them so successful with the last couple of years. And it's really cool to hear the inside of it of how even it's the off season and they're still trying to find ways to hang out with each other. It just shows how much really true passion they have for the game, the team and the whole program all together. Mm, and I think that's the main reason why you've seen so much success from the team in these recent years, as well as just however long Fair State Volleyball has been around. Yeah, it's been a successful program and I don't see that changing anytime soon. For sure. Now hopping into the Fair State Sports Report, we're going to hop on to the gridiron to go right into it. Uh, Pittsburgh State came to town, 17-14 W for the football team. A close one, Brandon. Not the best looks from the offense that we've seen so far this season, but the defense just came in clutch and really held it down. This defense is the most elite defense in the country, and that's without bias because you look at what Pittsburgh State did uh, going into this game. They were rolling offensively. I mean, they rolled through their part of the bracket uh, really with ease, to be honest, but I will give credit to their defense and how they adjusted in that second half was absolutely huge for them. And they really threw us off our game. Five turnovers now. Yes, some of them self-sustained. We did that uh, a couple times. We had some balls that 
uh, fell to the turf. And we, and that's something that's been a problem with the team for a while now. So obviously you go through that, uh, and you learn from it and you move on, but especially in the way that the game flowed, especially going into the second half, it looked like we were in trouble. I heard so many times throughout up in the box, West Florida, West Florida. This is what the game felt like. We Mm -hmm. were starting to give it away just slowly, slowly. And then in the second half, we had that interception, the fumble. And it's like, Oh no, here we go again. But that defense clamped down in a huge way. Caleb Murphy led the way. Regular season, or no, sorry, single season sack leader amongst all NCAA levels now. Of all all time. time. Beat Terrell Suggs' record. Yeah, and he's not even done yet at 24 and a half. it's crazy, man. He was huge. He had, I believe, six stats on the stat sheet um, for the dogs. Seven tackles for lost. He was a monster. That defensive line played absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jakaris Alexander had a big interception. That one was huge. On the goal line. I will say that. That was big time because they were marching down the field. I think that was like a 15, 16 play drive or something like that. Yeah. And they were really flirting with the end zone, but he just came up huge. Like, he was pretty pretty much beat. I ain't going to lie. He was pretty beat to that, but he was able to just really go out for that diving catch right at the four that was that was big time that yeah. one really i think shifted the momentum it wasn't a big like scoring shift but you could just feel kind of the energy build up again especially as it was kind of going down all uh, the way for pittsburgh state yeah and if i remember correctly that interception came uh i believe right after we had given the ball back to them um on that first fumble to start the second half and yeah. that was literally right out of the gate we had the football and on second down well, we fumbled on that rushing play on second and seven and then they ended up coming back pushing the ball from the 39, uh, starting to get towards the red zone. And then they took a shot in the end zone and then obviously was intercepted. That was a huge momentum booster. Um, unfortunately then, uh, ended up getting intercepted, uh, off the hands, uh, of the receiver over across the middle. I can't remember if it was uh, Tyrese off the top of my head or who it was. I think, but yeah, I forget. Who it, it was, it was, a, it was just one of those plays where it was just a little bit out of sync and they were trying to fit it together, um, and ended up going for an interception the other way. And then obviously them getting inside the five, uh, that was absolutely scary. Uh, but we held in, we stopped them. I mean, being able to just have Murph bring him down, uh, mm-hmm. on fourth and goal with nothing more fitting for the way that he played him yeah. earlier, the whole defensive line, the yeah, defensive backs Larray, played well. Larray and Ian came up big with some sacks too. Yeah, so. Jordan had a half sack mm-hmm. I that believe, was, as well. That was pretty big time. It was, it was honestly pretty scary because in the first quarter too, we looked at it, we were pretty much in control. I mean, Malik was slinging it. He was putting it on the money. It was just a really, really good situation for the offense. We were rolling, but then it kind of started to slow down. They got to stop. And then especially when they got that, uh, pick six, uh, that was kind of like the wind out of the sales and stuff like that but it really got into a point where i felt like the defense got into a groove and when we get into a groove it's almost game over whoever's playing for us because the the defense is rolling when the defense got the momentum it's gonna be really tough because you got four guys on the defensive line who can break through at any moment you got arguably the best secondary in the country Sidney mcleod jacarvis alexander all those guys come up with huge clutch picks whenever it's needed so Honestly, it was just a really all well-round game for the defense. I think especially when we come up to Grand or go to Grand Valley this weekend, it's going to be a little bit different story. Two of the best run defenses in the country. So you might be seeing some uh, seeing, seeing the ball getting slung around a little bit more. Uh, but dude, very excited for this weekend. This is going to be an epic game. I know they've almost already sold out going into this uh, recording. Record and again? it's Monday. We still have five days <laughs> yeah, until five this days. game starts. standing room only. Oh my gracious. It's going to be electric. We broke the record the last time these two teams played a year ago at Lubbers over 17,000 people. I'll say it, Joe. We might see a 20 K. I think we're going to see 20 K and I, I bet. truly believe that it's a bonkers number. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the stakes of this game, 
both of these teams really, when you look at the the rest of the seeding, right? Angelo's obviously uh, a top five team. They're still in it. Um, but as far as the other bottom half of the bracket, School of Mines hasn't played as well as they were last year. Not you really. got Wingate, who's the the Cinderella story of the whole tournament. Then you Could got you obviously. Uh, the Argonauts of West Florida is still alive. They don't have a one or two seed actually in that bracket, as we can see now. Yeah, Benedict yeah. lost and Delta State lost. Yeah, so that's big. And so really the only other teams, it's us and Grand Valley who, when we played, it's whoever two. wins this game is going to win the whole thing. You, honestly, theoretically, on paper, if you look yeah. at it, because Shepard's defense has been a little bit lackluster throughout the season. They're playing IUP. Uh, Their for, offense hasn't been too. I mean, New Haven in the first round gave them a lot of fits. They only put up 16 points yeah. with the Harlem. Well, Hill it's interesting right now, because so. Shepard Shepard still is kind of in the conversation for best offense in the country. You know, I mean, you got Tyson Badger who's slinging the ball wherever he wants to, but they are having games where they're kind of slowing down a bit. I mean, Slippery Rock, not the greatest defense. They're kind of more of an offense heavy team. So they dropped 37 on them, but. IUP has not been having, you know, the easiest schedule, especially when Ashland playing Notre Dame at the start, not the highest scoring game, not the highest scoring game in the semifinals. It's going to be interesting all the way around, but I think it's going to be a pretty cool uh, play out for how this bracket is going to kind of finish out. Yeah. And I know coach Anise made uh, the comment in the, in the postgame press conference about the MIAA and having to play them uh, in the Midwest region every year. It's almost unfair at that point, because when you looked at how this this seeding was drafted. When you look at the bracket, you had Grand Valley, the number one overall seed. Then you have us as well as Pittsburgh State. And uh, who did uh, who was on the other side of the bracket there? Uh, uh, on the other side, I'm totally up. blanking right now. Northwest Missouri State. You have yeah. all four of those teams in in the same region. And I mean, for for us, for example. We had Ochita Baptist, who was a four seed. They lost to the Bearcats in round one. By a lot. That was four of the top five teams in the entire country, and they're all placed into one bracket. I can yeah. totally understand why I, that doesn't feel right. It, it kind of is annoying. Yeah, honestly. it is. Because it's really, whoever comes out of the Midwest is already battle-tested enough, and we saw it last year, uh, really, for our run. I mean, we were taking on a lot of these tough teams last year. Uh, in the early rounds, obviously, we had to play Grand Valley again uh, for how many times that we've had to play them in the postseason now. Had to play uh, Northwest Missouri State again. Northwest who had Missouri a, State. A very a way better team than this year. Yeah, this is probably the lowest caliber team Northwest Missouri has put into the playoff in the last five years, and they almost took out the number one overall seed. That just shows you how good that team is every year. Uh, and you just have all of these teams that we were battle-tested going in, and then we got to the semifinals against Shepard, and we were like, yeah, we're ready to go. We just took out GV, Northwest Missouri State. like. We're already ready for this game. And then you could see the rest of the results, obviously, uh, taking down Valdosta and McKinney was huge. But uh, this was a big win uh, for being gritty and being able to out tough teams. And that's mm-hmm. really what comes down in the postseason is you can play your best going into the game. But when those things don't go right, how do you respond? That's what champion teams are made of. And you saw a lot of promising things from this team last Saturday. Absolutely. And especially with uh, against the win against Pitt State going to be very interesting. And I can't wait to talk more about the Grand Valley game on Thursday. Ooh. But Brandon, next thing on the slate for Fair State Sports Report, what should it be? Oh, I think we should go over to basketball. Why don't I think you? so. Men's or women's? Uh, you pick. All right. We're going to start with men's. There you go. Go for it, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple games in action over the weekend, obviously. Uh, Ashland over the Thanksgiving Classic, as well as Great Lakes Christian Wednesday, Tuesday. And uh, Bishop matchup. Sycamore as well. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, a yeah, big win against Ashland uh, in the championship game. Obviously, able uh, to hold the crown on our own floor is obviously a good accomplishment. Uh, being able to play over Thanksgiving, that was really interesting, too, to see all these teams come and play. And that was really uh, a really kind of a cool idea. I thought really with coach Bronkma setting that up, but uh, obviously we kind of looked in 
obviously with the four teams, and we'll get through all the four teams here in a minute, of who were in the pool. Obviously, we knew Ashland and Ferris were going to take off for the championship. No disrespect to the other teams, but just as far as the caliber of division mm -hmm. and uh, and those things, you know, obviously, that the Bulldogs are going to take on the Eagles once again. Um, but came up big in the title game. I mean, this was a back-and-forth game. I know I was following along online. I think, Joe, you were at this game, if I'm not mistaken. I was correct? not. I was oh, at the one before. Oh, shoot. I was yeah. there the day before as well. I was gone. Uh, for another event. But uh, when I was following online, I saw a lot of these, this back and forth kind of game. And it was really interesting to see how this whole game played out. And obviously uh, Ben Davidson was big down the stretch. He ended up winning the tournament MVP from his performance in the second half. Huge for the program. Uh, but I think really what you saw from this game was uh, the resiliency, the toughness. I mean, being able to really stick with an Ashland. Ashland's a really tough team. They might not have the most talent in anybody in the GMAC, but they are going to be out, a team that's willing to outwork you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really saw from uh, the big man Searles was a really dominant force for them um, going into last year when we played them back at our place just a year ago when we took on this team. Um, Haraway really provided a spark when they needed it. Uh, James Manns, I thought, was really good for the Eagles as well. Uh, but, I mean, really good performances. Solomon Aragbu, uh, he's a name that I'm going to be watching uh, going in the rest of the season just because he's kind of really taken that role of I'm going to kind of, I'm going to let my guys kind of go through and then I can take over when I need to. Uh, Cause I saw a little bit of that from him from the Michigan game. Um, and when he's aggressive, he can take the ball to the hole. He can, he can hit the jump shot uh, and he can provide a big spark for this team. He had 14 in this game. He was very efficient. Five of 11. Um, Jimmy Scholler obviously doing what Jimmy Scholler does being the best team player that we've ever seen um, as far as assists and rebounds. I mean you, but you can't have a team without he's a, a guy, guy like that. He's the glue he's guy. He's the glue guy. You know, it's it I myself on my beer league team and the glue guy, and we <laughs> no success is going to happen if you don't have that guy who's willing and to keep I the And our basketball team. Exactly. Yeah. I'm the, you got to have a glue, glue guy. You got to have a glue guy for every every sport that you play, and Jimmy's that guy for our team. Yeah, the question is, though, are you the the stick glue guy or are you the the, the Elmer's glue kind of guy? That's the, that's the difference. I'm the gorilla though. glue guy. Oh, that's bold. Okay. That is, yeah, okay. I can, I can see. Bold got but that understandable. Bold but understandable. I like it. Um, but yeah, overall in this game, uh, Ben was crucial down the stretch. Uh, I thought Vegas did a really good job of matching Searles uh, and a lot of those flurries down low. I think he finished with four rebounds, if I remember correctly. Delapo mm -hmm. was big in that department. He had seven. Um, but I think really what this game was, the momentum shifts, uh, you could definitely tell this game was just a battle of two really good teams. Uh, and I think really I, when I looked at the kind of the, the follow the play by play here, I don't remember there being a lead over seven in this game. It was so tight knit the entirety of the way all the way through. Um, and I think really the only it was at the beginning of the game was when that seven mark was really down the stretch. It was within three, four points the whole rest of the way. Um, so staying gritty, staying true to your identity. They made three point shots down the stretch um, to be able to really extend that lead a little bit. Ashland got it a little bit closer at the end, but we were able to knock down our free throws uh, at a high level. I believe we finished around 70 percent from the line in this game. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be crucial down the stretch when you're taking on these big teams, especially got a big one coming up this week where it's going to be physical and you're going to be able to take advantage from the line but you got to knock them down first. yeah this one this one coming up got the lakers coming to town to close out the week that one's going to be a really good one i'm going to talk about more more about that on thursday but yeah our team especially with this thanksgiving classic just played really solid all the way around i mean look back at uh the game against great lakes christian ethan erickson had a really great game oh he was lights um, out. he was lights out just shooting wise uh, and you had the cloudabout brothers who also got a little bit in there you got to see a good amount of play from them which was really promising especially to see their development uh, from last year didn't didn't get 
much play or they didn't get any playing time as they, I think were red shredding. Right. Uh, but they were able to kind of come on, really make a difference for that. Uh, but our team all around just looks really solid. And I think we don't really have a lot of guys on or a, a single guy. Like last year we had Walt Kelzer who could Kelzer. really just, yeah, the closer, you give it to him and he's kind of going to lock down. We have a lot of guys now who don't really have that type of, I won't say skill wise, cause they're all very skillful, but they're not that guy who is just known for, give me the ball. I'm going to go score no matter what. We have a lot of guys who are team players who are going to do what they need to do, share the ball around. You'll see some guys, you know, that are going to drop 25 one night. And then the next night they might drop seven or something. You saw that with Ethan Erickson. I mean, yeah. great lakes Christian he drops what 20 some points. And then this game against Ashland, he dropped six, but that's picked up from Solomon, Ben and Delapo. I mean, you see a lot of guys who are going to be able to kind of fluctuate with points, but I think that's a good thing is because you'll see a lot of teams kind of not really know what to do when it comes to a game plan, which is going to be pretty big time women's basketball, as well as in action over the, uh, over last week, over the holiday, uh, played grace Christian as a sole game, uh, was a good one. <laughs> Pretty good game. Here's the thing. Grace Christian is a really good program for NCJCA, but they're, they're just not ready for a D2 team. That's really the only thing. Yeah, and, that's about it. And they, they are willing. I, I give them credit, really, for their coaching staff to be willing enough to to play us year, each year, year in and year out. Uh, because the reality is they kind of know going into that game that it's, it's going to be hard. But they they can they play us year after year. They put us on the schedule, so I give them kudos for that. And that's those are the games where you really you find out where your team's really made of. Because this because yeah. this Grace Christian team, like uh, they, I've looked back in years past, and they've been in the post like deep postseason runs in their division. So they're a really good team. Uh, the only thing is like especially going into this game, they had a lot of scratches, so they only played seven players total, yeah, it was, it was and it's a really tough. hard to go <laughs> when you're playing, especially on um I, especially a game like this. It's not an orthodox game, for example. I mean, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So that's really kind of a game you're coming off. Obviously you're going to be practicing over break, but it's a, it's a break, right? It's it's Thanksgiving. You're going to be a little bit away from the game, obviously, because it's kind of that mental break. You're a student athlete first, right? Student comes first. So obviously that comes into play with athletics overall. But when you look at that team, you could just tell the way that we were pushing the ball. Uh, it was definitely becoming very taxing on them overall, especially with only seven uh, players. But I really thought, um, this the, the team played really well. I did get an injury update from Coach Westendorp uh, um, from this game. No Caden Blanchard and likely no Maya Hiram for the rest of the year, both really? with knee injuries. So Dang. that's a big loss. But I thought this team played outstanding for, yeah. with how much freshman in, like freshman production that we've had so far, um, or really I should say first year players. Cause I mean, I think you can put Kenzie Bowers like the first year of a bulldog, but obviously she's been there yeah, at the D1 level. D, yeah. D1 talent. Yeah. So. But I thought Elle Irwin played really well. She's a really fantastic player. Uh, Deshaun day has improved immensely. Um, as well as Clay, Idoni, Mallory McCartney will step up on the nights that they need to. And really the production off the bench too. There's a lot of versatility. Emma Sharbeek was on fire from three oh, point yeah. range coming off the bench. Uh, Jolie Hull will definitely be uh, a sharp shooter that we can rely on in some big games. Um, but I mean, the production down low, Grace Sullivan being like that six man right off the bench, um, I think is going to be huge at the point guard position. But uh, I think just overall, the distribution, the ability to go out and run, being able to make plays, knock down shots. I mean, you can take any opponent and throw them in that mix and you are really liking what this team did on the last Saturday. I think you can really apply that. It's all about the process, right? These games are process games. Um, it's kind of like the exhibition game, if you will. You're taking all the things that you're getting from this game, all the production, all the play calls, all of that schematic material 
And now you're saying, okay, how can we apply this when we play these bigger teams? We're going to be playing the Grand Valleys. We're going to be playing the Michigan Techs, the Saginaw Valleys. They're really good teams in this conference. And what are you going to be able to do to be able to counter that? And they, you, they saw some a lot of good things. You can be able to really go down low as well. Mago Nabaga played really well. Ariel Jenkins played well down low. Both of them, 13 rebounds combined between the two of them. That's going to be crucial, especially when we take on some of these teams that are going to have that physical presence down low in the paint. Um, but I think really you saw, I mean, you can look at the score sheet. It was spread all the way across the board. Mallory and Kenzie didn't even have to score that much because everybody yeah. was all over uh, the scoring column. So, I mean, that's really huge for us. And I think really both teams, you look men's and women's overall spread across the board, being able to score it at a high level, being out to get out and rebound and run. I think that tempo is really what makes these teams so good. Yeah, that's going to be big time. Uh, but dude, Mallory McCartney's court vision. I've said it before. It's incredible. It's, she's got eyes in the back of her head. Literally. I swear, there was like three passes where like she barely like basically just redirected the pass. And I was like, how are you doing that? I did not see that pass at all. And she was able to thread the needle. There's a couple times where they weren't really ready for it. It was kind of coming with some heat. But I think that's just kind of uh, working out some kinks, especially before the whole uh, regular season starts to come come around. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, definitely very promising. Loving to see uh, how spread out scoring was for this game. Uh, it was... Uh, do we even say the final score? Did or did we even say it? Not our 104 to 45. Yeah, 104 to 45 is what it was. So yeah. tough looks for the program. Uh, tough looks for old Grace Christian. But you know what happens? It's a process. It's not. The it's score. a process. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also. I was really wondering if they were even going to show up for the second half. They came out with like 20 <laughs> seconds left. They You're saying with, that you should talk about East West from the men's dude, game. That's that one. Dude, I was literally like, okay, are they going to show up? I was sitting there with my roommates, and I was just like. I don't even know if they're going to show up because we got out there with like 10 minutes left to go in the halftime and it was maybe 20 seconds and I saw them come out of the locker room. I was like, I don't even know why they would because it was like 60 to 20 Yeah, at the end of the half. So Yeah, I mean, for the men's game and the Thanksgiving Classic, Joe mentioned Bishop Sycamore. Uh, and <laughs> East-West University. East, <laughs> so East-West University was the other school we played. When we looked up information on the team, there was not a whole lot that we could find on them. And that's, of course, why somebody brought up Bishop Sycamore. They're a school, I believe, just outside Chicago. They have a building uh, downtown. They have a single building. Yeah, which they have all the levels as part of the school. It's a really small school. Um, but, I mean, hey, they have a pretty solid They have a pretty solid basketball team for <sighs> not, having as, not having as many resources as a lot of these they, other teams. I think they show. only have a basketball. Like, that's their only thing. That is true. If, okay, I'm looking up... Uh, it looks like they play on a rec league court. Is it like, look at, look at the screen, Brandon. Look where they play. Oh yeah. I, I saw the picture, Joe. I, I ain't gonna lie. It's a little, a little suspect if you ask me, I don't know, but yeah, they, they did look like they just got them off like a LA fitness court and just put like 12 guys together for a team. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. And I mean, I, I know we said this before, but being able to be in the studio, have all these screens and technology with, us, Oh yeah. Dude, I forgot to say that. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. So uh, shout out to all that have made this possible. This place is sick. Yeah, I ain't even gonna lie. Yeah, the, oh, just we the, got a thumb scanner to get in. Yeah, we got a screen up on the side of the thing. We got a new mixer, dude. It's pretty big. It, we're living lavish. We know? are living lavish. So we appreciate all of you guys though, because you help make this possible. That is keep true. Show that going. is true. And you guys are awesome, and we're so happy to reward you with Much all the love. great content. So Much uh, love. Anyway, moving forward in the Ferris State Sports Report, I believe we have covered almost everything here. There wasn't a lot going on over the weekend. Yeah, Hockey but, had a bye. Yep. So it was kind of a quiet weekend, but uh, it's soccer had like a bye. They're yeah. Still, so, traveling. but they'll be taking on Westchester. Actually, traveling. They just just got to Seattle today. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, they did yesterday. So uh, that's kind of cool. Got to check in with Brody. He's kind of going with that crew. 
uh, over there. So I'm be, Brody's be on the playing, uh, Brody's playing all the SIG. athletic, basically athletic director. Yeah, the, basically this. on that trip. So being really cool to see the experience from that. So, um, but yeah, lots on deck here uh, from Ferris state athletics coming up. Postseason is in full gear. Uh, and it's going to be really fun to see how this all goes about. So, um, but that's going to do it for the Ferris State Sports Report. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back here. Uh, we're going to talk some World Cup. We actually have United States playing right now. And, Joe, they're in the lead. We're going to have yes, to talk sir. about that as USA. well as college USA. football. USA. College football. Yeah. The game. we got to talk about that. That's we'll take time. a break. We'll be back. Break it down here on the MBSP. Are you a Ferris State student interested in getting into audio production, music, podcasting, or even DJing? Bulldog Radio could be the place for you with plenty of opportunities and hands-on experience within not only these realms, but the marketing and social media opportunities outside. Join us to have your voice heard. No other place than Bulldog Radio. Back for the second half, World Cup first. Joe, I'm wearing my USA kit today. All the way, baby. And the boys are USA winning all right the now. Way. USA versus Iran right now up 1-0. This is a crucial win. If we can, we'll probably get out of Group B along with England. England doesn't really have the greatest of situations, especially, I mean, they kind of ran against Iran, Iran, but uh, not the easiest looks for against us and Wales. But, Brandon, the biggest game of the year, really. England yeah. has not beat the USA in the World Cup ever. And uh, for a country whose only sport is football as they say to tie against a team in a country who's who's who there's national sport is maybe four or fifth on the leaderboard for sports in the USA tough looks for the old boys that are trying to bring bring it home because it's not coming home this year I can tell you that much oh my England gracious. sucks yeah all right I'm saying it right now England sucks I would put, put it that on the record I will put that on the record sixth that's where I would put it watch this NFL yep NBA yep MLB mm-hmm NHL, mm-hmm. no, take that back. College football, yep. NHL. Uh-huh. Then you're looking at MLS. Yeah, yeah that's the, that's the that. order of operations here. Uh, but yeah, right now, one nothing. Christian Pulisic breaks through. He's Pulisic. got us on top as, we rec- as we're here right now. Uh, 2.47, the time mark here on Tuesday as we're recording this. Uh, England and Wales right now at a nil-nil draw. That's yeah. going to be interesting to see how that plays out because that could be absolutely huge if uh, Wales was able to pull off the upset. Um, Because I believe that would actually flip us into that number one spot. Yeah, if we beat if we beat Iran, yeah. Did you see? Did you see the Iran uh, uh, reporter? He was like grilling all the USA US players. They're trying whatever they can. He was like, he was like. That's what I'm saying, Iran, because I just feel bad. Because you say Iran, but he's like, you're saying our country's name wrong. And then he was basically like going and asking everybody about like all the players and the coaches about like. There's all these inequalities and injustices going on in your country. How can you do the same? How can you like rep this country or whatever? And then they're just like, I, I don't know, man. Like they gave, they gave good answers, but it was just funny because he's like grilling them for no reason. And I was just like, I don't know why you're coming in with such hostility, man. You're just a reporter, <laughs> but that's just me, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think it's definitely an interesting situation for them because I mean, really in the, the context of this group, it is so heavy on the top two teams. It's England against the United States. Yeah. And like Iran and Wales don't have like any sort of publicity of being a, having a single chance in this group. It's like, okay, it's England and US. Who's going to be one and two, right? There's a couple other groups. Like I think uh, C um, is okay. D and E, I think, are a lot better um, as far as from top to bottom, have a lot more depth. 
Um, and even really Qatar outside of, uh, in yeah. group A, really outside of Qatar, unfortunately. I mean, Qatar's not really that good. No, they're I mean, the first they're already country done. to lose. So. Yeah. And they were the first ones to get eliminated. So that's, that's unfortunate for them, but Tough I mean, looks for them. Yeah. But I mean, really going back to the, the U S England game, Joe, yeah. uh, I think really when we saw them play in the first half, there was a lot of good chances that we had. Kulisic obviously off the crossbars, the one mm-hmm. probably everyone's seen on social media, how close we Walker are. or something like that. He, he should have scored that one, but mm-hmm. he just sailed it over the crossbar. Yeah. But I think really. When you look back, like England's defense is pretty solid. I mean, Harry Maguire leading the troops back there. They've always had a really good group in the back row. Um, but I mean, really, our attacking group really did a good job of spraying on chances. There we they had a couple of good chances too. Um, well, later on in the game, but uh, I mean, really, you saw a, a fantastic performance. I think. Um, I I mean. I don't really know what else you can say about Matt Turner. The fact that he was incredible in that England game, especially Dude's late crazy, when they had man. that big chance uh, later on, I believe. I can't remember if it was like the 85th, 87th minute or something like that. It was right down in the wire. And uh, Matt Turner came in clutch. And I mean, it's a story of a ride that he's had to be able to be uh, this goalkeeper for this national team. And they've played really well. So uh, I think you really look at where this team is at right now and they're able to move to the to the knockout stage. I mean, they're looking like a really good contender just because they're not going to like, you're literally looking across the, the fixtures. They haven't blown really anybody out. I mean, Honduras was the only one in recent memory that I remember that we like truly blew them out. Um, like it was like a four, nothing game. If I remember correctly. Um, but I mean, you look at a lot of these other games and I mean, they're in it with anybody, regardless of, uh, projections, regardless of anything else. Um, and I think that really gives you credit to where U.S. is going. They're kind of taking that, like I wouldn't call it a Detroit-esque kind of grit as a team, but they're kind of pulling it together. It's just, like, we're not going to be more it's the underdogs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's really that's the cool part about it. Is it's like the U or USA just as a whole. It's funny because like on TikTok and stuff, the, the the hilarious part is everybody's like kind of been like, I don't even know soccer, but for the next like two days. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going only, all I'm only caring about it. But yeah, I think it's just really cool how the team's kind of adopted and even just people who are following like USA soccer, kind of the underdog mentality, because we are really, I mean, we're not the greatest country when it comes to soccer. I feel like uh, we've had a, you know good success about some teams, but when you look at other countries where soccer is like number one and we, the way we've been able to fare against them, it's been pretty promising. So I think that's going to be one thing. I do think the USA soccer is kind of going to be on the rise in the next couple of years, uh, especially with uh, the joint world cup coming up uh, with us, Canada and Mexico is going to be a really cool one, but this world cup has been shaping up to be pretty solid. There's been a couple of games that have been a little bit upsets. Uh, some like that. I'm really excited to see with group E, it looks yes. like Spain, Spain and Japan, Japan, surprisingly, Japan is in the second spot. So hopefully they can make it out. But Group E is kind of having an interesting play out for that. Uh, Group F is kind of meh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, there's not really much going on with that. Croatia is... Croatia was really the only one that I was kind of really depending on. Canada got knocked yeah. out already. Tough I mean, looks for them. Yeah, Belgium losing was a huge blow. Yeah, that was, a, that was surprising. That's, um, a, that's a big loss. But, I mean, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, Group H is definitely one that you can see uh, with Portugal and Ghana. Those are both teams that were going in high ranks going into this World Cup. But I'll be really keeping my eye on Group E because it's not it's not a normal World Cup when you see Germany at the bottom of any table across yeah, any group. Especially, especially against la- our last World Cup, they rolled Brazil 7-1. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just interesting to see how it's all shaped down. I mean, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina in mm-hmm. Group C, that was incredible to watch. I mean, you really look at a lot of these teams. Poland's been playing really well. Uh, they're not necessarily a team that we're on the lookout for year in and year out, but they're always kind of in the mix. 
Um, and I mean, obviously you got some of the other powerhouses too. Obviously you can throw in England as well as the Dutch and, uh, you know, a lot of those other teams that always are good year in and year out. So it's going to be really fun to see how this kind of goes through. And I've been really impressed with the United States play. They're able to possess the ball and create chances. And that's going to get you in a lot of these games. So I'll be really interested to see how they finish out. Hopefully we get a win against Iran and we can move on to the knockout stage. And uh, once that happens, we'll preview Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Once we get final uh, fixtures and stuff of that, I'll probably be looking at next week. Early prediction, Brandon. Who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Uh, I had Brazil on my radar. Obviously, that's kind of like, oh, it's a homer pick or whatever. Yeah. But they just got so much firepower. Without Neymar, they might lose a little bit of their edge that they have came in with. So I'm kind of looking at some other teams there on the rise as well. I was going to say Portugal. Portugal. Portugal is kind of my with favorite. Ronaldo always. Uh, I mean, there's a couple other teams you could throw in there. Um, in that category. I mean, Netherlands have been playing probably one of the best teams overall of play right now Yeah. Uh, out of all the teams altogether. But I mean, I mean, you can always throw out a couple spoilers. So uh, you never know how it's going to play out, but it's going to be who plays the best that given day. And that's any, that's what comes to tournament play, especially in postseason. And uh, it'll be interesting to see and find out how it goes. Absolutely, man. It's going to be an interesting way this uh, World Cup plays out. It's Messi's, Neymar's, and Ronaldo's last World Cup. So yeah, end of legends. A, end of a few era end of a few eras for some of these legends of the game. So yeah. very exciting to see uh, what that's going to be able to play out to. But hopefully we can see some really good soccer being played because I would love to see Portugal make it far, give Ronaldo another chance at ending it out on top. So FIFA World Cup 2022 so far really great. Hopefully USA rolls uh, Iran today. We'll see how it goes. But Brandon, it's been pretty solid so far. Uh, for this whole tournament. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine Argentina, Portugal, World In Cup the, final? Dude. Oh could, my gosh. That would be insane. Incredible. I don't think that's how it's going to play out. Probably I think not. They're probably going to have some weird They'll probably bracket. play them on the side. Yeah, they'll the play them side. in the quarterfinal or something. It's be like, well, that's dumb. But yeah, that's unfortunate. I hope those two get to play against each other one more time. I think that'd be really that'd be cool. Sick. Um, but we'll obviously see what the committee has to say. But uh, there's going to be a lot of good teams. I mean, you could see... Uh, like a potential Argentina with the way that they've played uh, in the knockout stages being a potential lower seed. And that it's going to be foiling with a lot of these other teams. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the World Cup ends to the final uh, in Qatar 2022. So it should be interesting. Finishing out the show, we're going to hop over to college football. A lot happened this weekend and a lot to talk about. The game. The Michigan, big one. Beating Ohio State at the horseshoe. Holy cow, Joe. Yeah, it was such a good game. I was ecstatic the entirety of that second half. We played phenomenal in that second half. First half wasn't as good as we probably would have anticipated, but boy, did this team show up when it mattered in that second half. I mean, Donovan Edwards down the stretch was incredible. Uh, I think he finished with over 200 yards. Obviously, he got uh, over 160 of them on the last two yards combined or two runs combined uh, where he broke away for touchdowns, but I think J.J. McCarthy really was the story of this game, Joe. I think he played his fantastic game of the season, especially coming off of last week against Illinois. We knew we needed that. He knew we needed that. And he provided in an absolute huge way. Yeah, he really came up clutch. A lot of people, a lot of of speculations were going around, is J.J. McCarthy going to be able to throw the ball? Because without Blake Corum, that's kind of the main thing that's been going on with a lot of the ifs, ifs, buts, and maybes of how this Michigan offense is going to play is if they can't rely on the run, are they going to be able to let J.J. McCarthy air it out? And you really saw him being able to do that. 263 for three. Donovan Edwards uh, played really well, like you said. Uh, But Cornelius Johnson had a Randy Randy Moss type game. 160 uh, 160 yards on four receptions for two touchdowns. 40-yard average. 
that's just insane to see. Uh, he played really well, as well as just the receiving core in general. Schoonmacher played pretty solid, came up clutch with a couple of good bit uh, with the one uh, reception. Loveland had the one. Uh, was it Loveland or was it Schoonmacher who got the trick play? Uh, that would have been, oh my gosh, it was, I think it was Loveland, Schoonmacher. What? I believe was actually caught a IBM Schoonmaker. I one of the two. That, but that was that was a big one, especially. And Ronnie Bell came in pretty clutch as well. Uh, so yeah. really, all around, really great game. I don't think you're going to see C.J. Stroud in the Heisman conversation after today, uh, especially with the two picks against this team. Um, he did play really well other than the two picks. I'd say 349 for two uh, and only missing what, 17 passes, I think. He went 31 for 48. So they played really well. I just think you just didn't see as much of a dominating passing game, I'd say, that you usually see from Ohio State. Uh, they had two guys over 120 yards, which is insane, and with a reception, receiving TDs as well. But I think when you just kind of really got down to it, Michigan just played a lot better all around. Yeah, no Jackson Smith and Jigma for the bunk guys definitely kind of showed in a little bit of a way um, as far as being able to kind of really shadow uh, Marvin Harrison as well as um, uh, Mbaka, or however you pronounce his name, I keep literally messing it up every time. Uh, Mbaka, Mbuka or Mika Mbuka, Mika Egbuka. Oh yeah, that's how you think. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I mean, he, both of those guys were phenomenal in this game statistically, but uh, I think really the loss of the running game in the second half for Ohio State was most was definitely the most noted thing. Yeah, uh, when you look back at the statistics and analytics, and you could tell back on the film that when they weren't getting early yards on first, second down running the football and they were having to throw on third and long that our defense was dialing up some good zone and some good man calls sure, yeah. against a lot of these guys. And we really limited them um, in big plays. And then offensively, we made the big plays because you look at statistically, I mean, you could look up the team stats. And I mean, when you look at as far as a overall comparison, I mean, these two teams weren't far enough. And even my, it was Ohio State having more yards in this game overall in I think if it was pretty got to be pretty close. Overall, this game, uh, yeah, it was stats. 530 to 492. So it was pretty close. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was basically. Um, but I mean, the difference definitely was us running the football. We did it incredible mm -hmm. in the second half. Big Diamond plays. Edwards came up clutch, I'd yeah. say. Big plays were huge. The defense locked up. The pass rush was pretty solid, uh, much better than we've seen in recent weeks. And I mean, this team just really flat out played phenomenal in the second half and should put themselves in prime mm -hmm. position now for a CFP bid. Yeah, my favorite part about this whole. Uh, game was that Gus Johnson was on the call as he usually is for the Michigan Ohio State game because he just adds so much to the viewing of it you just get so fired up especially I mean we've talked about how much me and Brandon both love Gus Johnson but to have him on this call kind of made the game just that 10 times better and 10 times more intense because when you have a guy who's able to add to the overall excitement of a rivalry game that's this deep and this you know the hatred is this deep rooted to be able to have a guy like that. It made it just that much better, but it's interesting now to see, especially with Ohio state loss, how the college football playoff picture is going to play through Brandon. Uh, we'll see, especially with, you know, Alabama might be in the picture now. Uh, who was it? Uh, LSU, I think was in talks of it too. Uh, Tennessee might be, there's a lot of if buts or maybes that might go down for however many people are going to be able to make it or however many teams are going to be able to make it into this college football playoff, especially with South Carolina playing upset to a lot of these teams uh, kind of opening up, but there could be a chance that, you know, six, seven or eight of these teams who are outside of the playoffs could have a chance at the end of this week of uh, conference championship play. 
you might see them in the playoff. You might see them still dancing. I knew you were going to bring up Spencer Rattler when you mentioned. All right, hey, Lions, he's so. okay. Okay, I'm not even a fan of Spencer Rattler. Everybody knows that he acted like he won the national championship. He barely he he did he pulled the cigar move outside out in the locker room. Homie, you were terrible so far. You beat a you beat two ranked opponents. I think you think you're the best person ever. Yeah, I keep mean, it going. Anyway. College football playoff scenarios. There's a concrete top four as of right now. That's pretty consensus across any analyst's mind. Uh, obviously, with number one being Georgia, Michigan being two. I cannot spell right now. Um, three, TCU, four, USC. It's okay, Jamie. You yeah. can figure it out. Yeah, I'm playing the role of Jamie right now. We got a nice screen. and I, My computer's hooked up to it, so I'm pulling up everything. Yeah, Joe Joe Rogan podcast. Potentially yeah. shout, shout out. Jamie, pull it up, please. Jamie, pull that up. Please. Jamie, pull it up. The clip of the deer getting smoked by that car. <laughs> That's so interesting. But anyway, um, so yeah, you look at a lot of the scenarios, and obviously uh, how the conference uh, championships go this weekend will definitely determine um, who who goes where I think right now Georgia and Michigan are pretty much in. I don't think a loss either way is going to hurt them. Yeah. Michigan and Georgia, I think are pretty much good. Yeah, I think those two are almost locked. Cause Purdue, especially when you look at Purdue, like Purdue's known to really shake it up when you got a number mm-hmm. next to their opponent. Because- here's what I, here's what I think will happen though, regardless of how the outcome went in the, in the game this weekend mm-hmm. in Ohio state and Columbus, they will find a way if USC loses a close game to, uh, I believe, are they playing Oregon in the, the Pac-12 championship? In fact, going to that game. You are really going to yeah, that game. Cause I'm oh, going, yeah, because I'm going to Vegas. Vegas. I'm going to That's Vegas right. at the end of this week. That's and, uh, sweet, my brother yeah. told My brother surprised me some Pac-12 championship tickets at well, Allegiant Stadium. You. You'll have to send me a picture yeah, when you're out there. You know how it is. I'll be an Oregon fan for the day. I don't like USC too much. So. Ah, yes, of course. But I think if USC loses a close game to Oregon, I have a bad feeling. They're going to... Well, not a bad feeling. It's not a bad feeling, but I have a good feeling that they're going to be putting the Buckeyes in over the Trojans. And I, I feel like you could too. You can make that argument. Yeah, because I think they're they're just. Ohio State is better than USC. I feel like they, USC you think so. Kind of, USC really just has Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. and like he's he's an insanely good quarterback. I will say that. Yeah. But. Which the unfortunate part is you're going to be going into this with three juggernauts and an outsider. Because, you know, we going into this season that TCU wasn't probably on our TCU number one is line. Not, we knew they were going to be a top 20 team, top 15 yeah. team. They were going to be a I, legitimate yeah, football team. They're playing really well. They're in the, what are they, in the Big 12? Yes. Like They're going to win the Big not, 12 potentially over, uh, I believe The Big they 12 does not Texas. have as much stake in college football as it used to because it's really just the SEC and the Big 10 that kind of make the big waves because you have a lot more of those teams ranked throughout the season kind of fluctuating in and out of the top 25 and when you go to you know Pac-12 teams or something like that you don't really see more variation than just two or three you see UCLA USC and Oregon and maybe Washington will squeak in there every once in a while they're number nine right now but when you look at I mean SEC and Big 10 kind of rule the top 25 so you're not really going to see a whole lot of fluctuation with that but I'm very interested to see if you if TCU loses, I would not be surprised if like the committee moves them down like six. Ooh, that would be brutal. I, I would mean, not be surprised. They have a pretty fam- they have a pretty favorable matchup. They're taking on Kansas State, who's coming in 13th overall in the rankings. Uh, they're a good team. I mean, I got to see them play Kansas a little bit. They played pretty good football. Uh, I wouldn't consider them as a, a team that's a college football playoff caliber team. Oh, yeah, no. So I think in that mind, yeah, I think you're right, Joe. If TCU does lose, uh, I definitely think if you look at the situation of USC beats Oregon, TCU loses, I think they'll definitely flip flop. The really interesting part is, will the committee say, you know what, this team's not battle tested enough? They've played the Big 12 really well, but the Big 12 is definitely big lower 12. Yeah. this year. Because, I mean, you look at the teams overall from the Big 12, 
They're the only one in the top 10. And I believe the next closest is Kansas State at 13. And the only other ones I believe in the are Texas and I think that's it, right? Yeah, it's there's just only Texas. three of them. There's only three teams in the top 25 compared to you look at uh, the Big Ten, for example. Uh, the SEC, of course, is going to rule the rankings. Uh, even the ACC's got a couple of really good teams in there. So I think you look at where they're at and I think you have to imagine that they win their in. Pretty easiest, pretty cut and dry. Yeah. They lose. I think if either team loses, I just got this feeling that they're going to chomp at the bit to try to get Ohio State back in there. So I wouldn't I, be surprised if they do. I think that is, uh, but if they both win, I think they're both in at this rate because obviously you haven't lost. Uh, I think that, well, obviously outside of USC, obviously they had one loss earlier this year, but I think they still have the ability um, to be a really good team. And I mean, even, yeah, I mean, you just pulled it up, Joe. Pac-12 has been much better than the Big 12 this year. USC's number six overall. You got UCLA, Oregon State, as well as Oregon, Washington, Utah. All these teams Mm -hmm. have unfortunately screwed themselves because they've all beat each other. But yeah, I was going to say that's the thing. The Pac-12 is a circle of suck right now. Yeah, every beating every team has a loss, and if you go in a circle, every team has like somewhat beat another. Transitive property is going around in there. So I think that's really the only reason why you can knock the Pac-12 because the Big 12, you don't really see that too much and the obviously Big 10 and SEC, you're not seeing that at all. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll probably by the looks of it, projections, I think that both of those teams will win. I think out of the two, I think the more, I think, I honestly want to say USC is probably the team I would trust to get upset more ironically than TCU, but I could definitely see the Horn Frog losing as well. But if you look at where it stands right now, Michigan being at two, um, for taking on a matchup of TCU, I think that's a cool, really good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as Georgia, pretty much going to be taking on USC. That'll be probably a slugfest, um, potentially, or if Georgia steps up defensively, it might not be at all, but, uh, it'll pretty much depend on how Georgia's defense plays in my mind. But Potential rematch of Michigan-Georgia once again. That'd be pretty fun as us Michigan fans, but Ohio State's week's in there. They're going to have to take on Georgia right out of the gate, and that's going to be a really yeah, fun game. Yeah, that would be tough. Could you so. imagine if they beat Georgia and we beat whoever it is, most likely TCU if they win? Like what that would be like, a Michigan-Ohio State National Championship? Oh, my god, That would be insane. That would be sellout plus some $1,000 tickets after that, they that go would, on it, sale. It would be $12,000 ticket. Probably, yeah, it would be ridiculous. It would be crazy. Incredible game uh, for the national championship. We'll just have to wait and see how championship weekend goes uh, in college football, and especially with the Heisman right now. Caleb Williams looks like a guy he, that might run away with it. As crazy as that seems going into the earlier part of this year, we thought it was going to be CJ Stroud easily. But after this weekend, uh, looking really so good so. for him. So he might be preparing for just the draft, um, and we'll see how that goes about. But Championship weekend on deck. It's college football season. Get your lawn chair and uh, enjoy the season. Drag open a nice cold one. I guess so. Hop on the recliner, toss on a nice thing on TV and watch that thing go down. Championship weekend is the best weekend. It is. So thank you guys for tuning in. New studio, new digs, but... You're the same great fan base we've always had. Oh, you really, you really came in with that one. Hard emoji, then nice. So Love that. Me and Joe are so grateful. Make sure you subscribe on all your the podcast sure. platforms: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. As well as follow us on YouTube. We post our best bits and full shows Absolutely. there. If you're a YouTube and YouTube TV fans, so uh-huh. we're looking out for you. So make sure you subscribe. But until next time, take care, everybody.